Last week, I started a, a, a message. It was like a mini message. I told you I was going to speak for 20 minutes, and I spoke for 40. Okay, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. If you were here last week, you know. It's because I was really passionate about this, this thing I was talking about last week. There's, you know, there was this property, and I felt like there was this altar, this, this big pile of rocks that was on it. And the Lord said, hey, this is an altar, and watch what I'll do. And I was like, oh, my goodness. The Lord was speaking to me so clearly. And the sixth core value of our church, we have six, and, and the most important, I would say, is radical faith, all right? Radical faith. And it was this idea that as a church, we're going to believe not just for the easy things, not just for the small things, but for the big things. We're going to believe that God can and will heal cancer, right? We're going to believe that he can do it because he's done it before. We know that he's done it, and he will do it again. That's what we believe, We're not going to have a small faith because when you have a small faith, what do you get? You get small results. When you have a radical faith, you get God results. Come on. And I I believe that somebody wants some God results up in this place today. So we're going to have a radical, radical faith. And I, uh, on Monday, so we got to see some amazing things uh, last Sunday. And I'll talk about that in just a minute. We saw some incredible, amazing things and Monday, the Lord was just like, boom, like here's this whole series and this whole message uh, for this Sunday and then for the next couple weeks. I just already have it all laid out. He just, it was like a download, like a Google Fiber, like super fast download, not like, you know, Spectrum like we have here in Plum Creek kind of, you know what I'm saying? Anyway, <laughs> goodness gracious, but it was awesome. Just, and this passage just jumped out on the page at me in a way it never has before. How many of you ever been reading the Bible and it just like speaks to you in a different way and you're just like, oh my goodness. I started seeing some of these phrases and I would just get this word in my heart and like the Lord would speak to me like something I needed to tell you guys and it just would jump out at me. I would just be like, I was like falling out of my chair. Like, Lord Jesus, this is good stuff. Okay, I can't wait to share this. All right. So we're going to be in Luke chapter five. Verses 17 through 26, Luke chapter 5, 17 through 26. It'll be up on the screen for you if you don't have your Bible with you. Uh, But it's the story of the paralytic man that was dropped through the roof for Jesus to heal him. And so we're going to have some radical faith today. Come on, y'all. One day Jesus was teaching. Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there. They had come from every village of Galilee and from Judea and Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. Some men carrying a paralyzed man on a mat tried to take him into the house to lay him before Jesus. When they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and lowered him on his mat through the tiles into the middle of the crowd right in front of Jesus. When Jesus saw their faith, he said, friend, your sins are forgiven. The Pharisees and teachers of the law began to think to themselves, who is this fellow who speaks blasphemy? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Jesus knew what they were thinking and asked, why are you thinking such things in your heart? Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up and walk? But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. Immediately he stood up in front of them, took what he had been lying on, and went home praising God. Everyone was amazed and gave praise to God. They were filled with awe and said, we have seen remarkable things today. Come on, let's pray. Lord Jesus, I just ask that you would rise up some radical faith in these people here today, that you would challenge us, that you would bless us, give us favor, give us a faith that goes beyond what we can understand and what we can see. Help me to communicate this word. Open our eyes, ears, and hearts today to hear what you have to say. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 All right. So the, the first phrase that really jumped out at me, okay, 
And, and I'm just literally it's just gonna be a bunch of phrases. And you can write these down and take notes kind of underneath the phrases if you'd like to. Just I'm sharing with you what the Lord was speaking to me this week. But the first phrase that just jumped out at me was because of the crowd. Because of the crowd. When they could not find a way to do this, because of the crowd, they went up on the roof. All right. How many of y'all have ever been to a concert before? Ever been to a concert? Show of hands. Let me see. You've been to a concert? You heathens. Come on now. You know, 80 years ago, uh, if you're a Pentecostal anyway, you went to a concert. If you were at a concert, you had a movie or anything like that, you know, and the, the rapture happened, you know, like you're going straight down. You know what I'm saying? We've been to a concert, maybe some of you uh, millennial ladies or, you know, like Gen Zers, been to a Justin Bieber concert, you know, like all the middle school girls, oh my goodness, Justin Bieber, you know, like I don't know who it is nowadays, right? But my dad was telling me uh, he got to go see 38 Special uh, with my mom a little bit ago. I don't know if you got any 38 Special fans, come on, hold on, this thing, don't let go, all right, you know, uh, man, I love 38 Special, that's so good. But you know at a concert what happens, right? Uh, it's kind of packed up at the front. All right. And, and towards the back, people are just kind of hanging out. Those are the people that don't really care as much. Obviously, they didn't pay as much to be at the front, you know. And so they're kind of just chilling at the back, you know. But at a concert, it is really, really crowded, like right here at the front. There's just people packed like sardines. It is not COVID friendly, okay? They are packed up at the front. And what usually will happen is, is you're, let's say you're at the front. And, uh, you know, there's somebody that's, you know, at the back and they want to try to get to the front. Well, what do they do? You know, they'll, they'll kind of go around some people and these people in the back, they don't care. So they'll just kind of walk around them and try to get to the front. And they're like, man, I want to get up to the action. I want to see, you know, 38 special. Like, this is great. You know, like the 60 year olds. Okay. So <laughs> they're like, I go in, you know, saying, Hey, all right. All right. I'm sorry. I'm not trying to get to the front for 38 special guys. I'm sorry. I love them, but I'm at the back. All right. It's like, I can appreciate that from back here. All right. So they're like trying to get to the front. They're scooting through. And as you start getting closer to the front, what's going to start happening? Okay. The people are going to get a little bit tighter and they're going to get maybe a little bit more annoyed. All right. Because they're there at the front. Like I got here early so that I could be at the front don't mess with my spot, okay? It's like when you come to church and you have the same seat every single Sunday and somebody sits in your seat and you're just like glaring at them like, mm, that is my seat. You know that is my seat. We are both here every Sunday. You know what you're doing, right? You get a little protective over that. So they're getting protective over their spot. You start pushing up to the front and then they start to get a little annoyed. And then, you know, if you're at the front, let's say you're at the front looking at what's going on and you're seeing the action, right? You're right there in front of it. And then you kind of start feeling somebody on your shoulder and you're like, wait, get off me. You know what I mean? Like move, you know, you kind of give them a little nudge or whatever. And then they start going past and like, oh, sorry, my friend's up front. My friend's up there. I'm just trying to find my friend. I'm trying to find, it's like, no, you're not. Like, I know what you're doing. Okay. You're just trying to get to the front and you're just using the excuse to get up there. Okay. And so finally you're just like, whatever, you're nice. And so you let them through and then they get up there and then they're like snickering, like, ha those suckers, you know, like we got to the front. Uh, what's the reason why they're trying to get to the front is because they want to see the action. They want to be a part of it. But these people that are at the front already, they're going to be a little annoyed because they're looking at the stage and they don't want to be bothered by what's happening back here. They want to see what's going on at the front. They are in the middle of the action. And this is what I think is happening to these friends of this man. I think maybe if you think about it, they're trying to get through this crowd. All these people are looking at Jesus. They're crowded around this house. Just picture it. They're in the house. They're looking through the windows. They're out in the street, and they're trying to see what's going on with Jesus. And there's a man that needs help. 
There's a man that's paralyzed that needs to get to Jesus. And these friends are trying to get him up to the front. And yet the people that are there are just looking at Jesus. They're so packed in that they're maybe getting a little annoyed at these people. Like, listen, go around. Like, we're here. We want to see what's going on with Jesus. Like, you guys can go somewhere else, right? They were probably a little bit annoyed, maybe. What is standing between your friends and family from finding Jesus? Many times I think it's church people that are too consumed with looking at Jesus themselves that they don't have the wherewithal to take a second to turn around and look and see who's behind them that needs a miracle. Church people that are so focused on what we're doing in the four walls right here that we won't allow people in to have a miracle. We can't even make room for a miracle because we're so consumed with what we are doing. We have to learn to turn around and let people in. Amen? Turn around. Take a second and stop thinking about ourselves just long enough to invite someone into the house to have a personal experience with Jesus Christ himself. I want to make it as easy as possible for somebody to get into the house, to get at the feet of Jesus, for somebody that needs a miracle. Amen? Do you want to make it easy for people to find Jesus? Because I sure do. I don't want to make any barriers, any red tape for people to get to God. We're not a legalistic church here. Come on, now you come as you are. We'll make sure that you get into this place and you have an experience with God. But here's the thing you might think, well, Pastor Trevor, I thought we are supposed to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. But, but these people, they weren't doing anything wrong. It's probably innocent, to be honest. But they're looking at Jesus and they're excited about what's going on. And that's great. I understand that. Your eyes do need to be fixed on Jesus, but who are Jesus' eyes fixed on? Who is he looking at? He's looking at the crowd. He's in the house. He's the one looking out amongst the crowd, seeing what's going on, seeing the people that are behind. He can look over the heads of all the church people and see there's somebody out there that needs my help. But yet the people are so enamored by what's happening that, that that person can't even get to him. And when we... Fix our eyes on Jesus. What are we doing? We we look through the eyes of Jesus. When you're inviting someone to church, when you have a conversation about God with a coworker, maybe, with a friend, when you're insistent on getting them closer to Jesus, you're not only fixing your eyes on Jesus, but you're literally starting to look through the eyes of Jesus now. Now you're not just the onlooker, right? That's one of the, the crowd members out there in the concert looking and saying, oh, that's great. But you're literally up on stage with Jesus, seeing people the way that he is seeing them, looking through his eyes, seeing the pain, seeing the hurt, seeing the heartache and wanting to do something about it. Your perspective flips. And now we're looking through the eyes of Jesus, not just looking to him right? Does that make sense? The second thing, let down, let him down with his bed. That's the second phrase that jumped off the page at me. Let him down with his bed. So they get up onto the roof and they say, man, we got to figure out a way to, to get him down here. And so they, they literally cut a hole. It says they move the tiles, they cut a hole in, in the roof and they lower this guy down in his bed. Now, uh, I don't know how many of you have had a waterbed in the past. If you had a waterbed in the 70s or the 80s, will you raise a hand? Come on, let me see. Oh my goodness, there's actually a lot of you. I'm shocked. I didn't realize there'd be that many waterbeds. Okay. I mean, it was a fad. I know it's a thing. Yeah, how many of you, does anyone still have a waterbed? Does anyone still? Okay, no. All right, good for you. We've learned. We've grown. All right, we've moved past that. Okay. Um, 
But, you know, water beds, like, well, that was one thing. And some people think it's comfortable or whatever. It's kind of weird. But then you have, nowadays, you have the memory foam mattresses, the Tempur-Pedic beds. Come on, somebody. Uh, and so it's an awesome bed. My parents actually have the one that it, it leans up like your head, but then it also will, like, do your feet up, too, so you can, like, be, like, doing crunches, you know? It's, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> but then not only that. It's like the separate one too. So like each one individually moves like side by side. It's really, really cool. Now, I don't know at what age you have to get to in order to get one of those, right? <laughs> Where you get the separate beds with the separate sheets and everything. I don't know at what age, but babe, we need to talk about that because that is cool, okay? <laughs> She'd probably be like, hallelujah. Like I'm snoring at night and she's just like raising me up and I stop snoring. She's like, mm, perfect, you know? And you even have the sleep number beds too, right? You have the ones that, that you can control your own, like, you know, firmness or softness or whatever. And so I like, honestly, kind of a harder surface. I'll sleep on the couch sometimes because it's kind of hard. Lindsay doesn't think it's a comfortable couch, but I think it's great. And so I'll fall asleep on the couch, wake up the next morning, I'm feeling refreshed. Sometimes I sleep in our bed, which is really, really soft, and my back will hurt in the morning because I'm just like sinking into that thing, you know? Lindsay loves that thing though. So we have all these different kinds of beds and in different ways that we can sleep. And a bed is normally a safe, beautiful place, right? You go into your room and you cuddle up at night and you get all snuggled in there, you know, and you just fall off to sleep. You get some clean sheets, you know, that's the greatest feeling in the world, right? You go off to sleep. It's a great, great thing. Well, this bed that this man was on, not that kind of bed. It was not that kind of bed. This bed was, it was basically a mat, right? That he would have stayed on. And this bed was all that this man knew. He had likely been on it for years, years and years, begging on the streets, unable to provide for his family. Paralyzed men, paralyzed people, they didn't have any other choice other than to be beggars. They, they didn't have wheelchairs. They didn't have, you know, prosthetics or anything like that. If you were paralyzed, it was basically, you are now going to be homeless. You're not going to be able to provide for anybody. And so you're just going to have to be a beggar. They would get by the, the gates. They would get by the, the fountains together and they would just ask people for money because that's all that they could do. They had to live off of other people's generosity. And so this bed represented not everything that he loved about the evenings, right? This bed represented everything that he hated about his life. Everything that he hated and couldn't change about himself. He'd see people walk by and just imagine with me this man in the middle of the street, paralyzed, thinking, why me? Like, why, God? Why does it have to be me? Why does this have to be my life? But he had some friends. Obviously, we see that. At least some people that cared enough about him to pick him up and bring him on his bed. They didn't, they didn't even say, you don't have to move. Just we'll pick you up and take you to Jesus, okay? And, and these people were determined to make a way for this man to meet Jesus because they knew that Jesus had the power to heal. They knew he had the power to transform lives and to, to make something out of nothing. And they didn't let anything stop them from getting him to Jesus. They cut a hole in the roof, y'all. That's a little crazy, okay? I don't know about you, but if my doors were locked and someone was knocking and ringing the doorbell and I didn't hear them and they were just like, oh, I know that they're home. I'm just going to go on the roof, cut a hole in it and rappel down into their house. Like, you know, like walking out of the bathroom, like, John, what are you doing? <laughs> like, get out of my house. You know, he's like halfway down. Like, hey, what's up, man? Your doors are locked. You know, like that's the weirdest thing. It's a little crazy. It's a little creepy. But how bad do you want to see your friends and family saved? Are you willing to break some things? Are you willing to cut a hole into the status quo of the way that life should be done? 
Are you willing to break through the crowd so that people can find Jesus? Risk looking silly to others so that people can find Jesus. And notice this, they let him down with his bed. They let him down on the bed. They didn't need him to do anything, right? This man didn't do anything. We actually don't even, he didn't speak. We don't, we don't know if he said anything, right? But they didn't need him to do anything. And what they said to him is, we don't need you to get up and go to Jesus yourself. We will bring you right there. You stay right there on that mat. You stay right there on that thing that you hate about yourself, that thing that has held you back for years and years. You stay right there, maybe in the middle of your sin, coworker. You stay right there in the middle of your doubt, family member, and unbelief, and I will believe for you that Jesus is going to do something in your life. Jesus doesn't need you to get cleaned up. He just needs you to get to him, to get there. And there's people out there that need to get to Jesus. And will we be the friends that will have the tenacity and the radical faith to cut a hole in the roof, to drop somebody into church, to drop somebody into a relationship with Jesus? Will we be that church? That's the question I'm asking. The man couldn't do it himself, but he had some backup. He had some backup. He had some friends. The next thing that popped up off the page to me, when he saw their faith, right? They drop him in front of Jesus. And you got to imagine the scene. People are like, oh my goodness, what's happening? You know, like, you know, you think of a normal house, like drywall is like coming off and, and it's, it's, it's causing havoc and destruction. And these people are probably backing up like, oh my goodness, they were so focused on Jesus. Just like, oh, this is amazing. Now they're like, whoa, like what in the world is happening? And Jesus says, it says, when he saw their faith, whose faith, their faith, the friend's faith, it doesn't say anything about the man's faith, has nothing to do with what he did. It wasn't the faith of the man. We really don't know if he had faith or not. And and let me illustrate it like this. Uh, I don't know why, but men generally don't like to go to the doctor. Okay. I don't know why that's a thing. Probably because we're prideful and because we think that we can fix it ourselves and everything's fine, you know, and it's like you might be sitting at home for days and you're sick and it's been a few days and your wife is like, you know what, listen, you need to go to the doctor and you're like, nah, babe, I'm good, I'm good. You know, it's like, I'm fine, I'm fine. (laughs) You know, like you're doing all that stuff. Like, I don't need to go to the doctor. I'll, I'll get over it myself. My immune system is strong. I never get sick. And she's like, okay, well, obviously you were sick right now. So I don't know why that is. But then your spouse, the next day, she's like, I have had enough, right? So what does she do? She done called the doctor, okay? She calls the doctor and schedules an appointment for 11 a.m. the next morning. And then she tells you, you know what? Hey, babe, I actually called your boss, told him that you're taking this day off. You are not going into work because you are going to the doctor. We're going to get you fixed up. And you know what? Actually, I'm going to drive you myself. And I think God is looking for some people in this place today that will say, I will drive you myself, Why don't you come to church with me? I will pick you up. Why don't you come sit with me? I will save you a seat. Why don't you come over for lunch? We can hang out after church. Why don't you hang out at our rad group? Because I believe that there's some people there that you'd be great friends with. God is looking for some people that will have the tenacity to say, I will drive you myself. Will we have the faith to bring somebody to church, to bring somebody into the relationship with God, however that looks like? God is looking for some people today that will not have a passive faith, but with a faith that takes action. A faith that says, you know what, I'm not going to sit back and watch what happens to these people. I'm going to make sure and make it my personal priority to help God take people from where they are at and to where he wants them to be. Isn't it amazing that God uses you and me to help people find him? 
It's an incredible blessing that we have. He wants to use us. And it was not by this man's faith that he experienced God that day. We know that. It was by his friend's faith. It was by them picking him up and having that boldness to go up to the roof and cut a hole in it and lower him down. How many people are out there on the brink of a life-changing experience with Jesus just waiting for you to give the invite? Just waiting for someone to say, hey, you want to come to church? Did you know that four out of five people will come to church if they were invited by a friend? Four out of five people that do not believe in God said that they will come to church if they're invited by a friend. That's 80%. And that number has remained consistent for many, many years. It's not for us to judge what God can do. It's up to us to get them in front of him, right? Maybe sometimes people feel like they can't do it themselves. They can't get to God themselves. And really, honestly, none of us can get to God ourselves. It's God that chases after us and looks for us, looking out in the crowd, seeing, hey, who needs my help? But man, sometimes I feel like God is waiting on us to make the first move. He's waiting on you and me to be a part of the solution for these people, to be a part of the solution for our city, to not sit back and just enjoy church, which is a great thing to do. I love that we enjoy church together, but man, let's get more people in here. Let's bring them into the family. Let's bring them in to the fold. And I love this too. The next phrase that popped out is your sins are forgiven. Jesus heals the man's relationship with God before he heals him of his physical ailment. God's demonstrating here that what's ultimately most important, okay, is our eternal destination, right? Not our physical limitation, right? Where we are going with God is way more important than where that man could have walked that day, okay? And so he wanted to heal that first. He doesn't need you to be cleaned up of your sin first. He just wants you to be near him. And it's through proximity to Jesus that you actually will find your healing. It's by sitting at his feet that you're raised up to life. And he did nothing to earn this, right? Just like you and me. We know from the scriptures, we did nothing to deserve or earn the love of God. It's just there. The Bible calls it a free gift of God, that we have the grace and the love of our Father that loves us so much. Come on, is there anybody that's grateful today for the love of Jesus in your life, for what he's done for you? Come on. I'm grateful for what he's done for me. And then the next thing that happens is, is he heals him of his ailment, right? He heals him and And he gets up, he says, hey, take your mat and go home. That's an interesting thing to say. And and so number five is he picked up what he had been lying on. The man listened to Jesus and he said, okay, all right, I'll pick up my bed, pick up my mat and go home. I'll do exactly what you told me to do. When Jesus heals the man, notice he doesn't tell him to abandon his bed. He doesn't say, hey, throw this thing away. You don't need it anymore. I've healed you. Come on. Yeah. Like everybody's like shouting. We're like ripping it to pieces, throwing it in the dumpster. You know what I mean? Like just doing like a LeBron James, you know, doom. Look at that guy's throwing the dumpster. I'm out of here. I'm going to walk away. You know? No, no, no. That's not what he says. But that would be the first thing that I would think to do. Right? This bed that I've hated for years, this thing that I've had to lie on and beg for money for so long, I don't want this thing anymore. Why are you telling me to pick it up and go home? And I want to encourage you today with this. If you don't get anything out of this today, uh, or if you get one thing, I want you to get this, that God can turn your bed into your blessing. I'm going to say it one more time. God can turn your bed into your blessing. The things that have held you back for years can become the very things that propel you into your future. You might say, listen, I was living a life full of sin. I was broken. 
I was in an unhealthy relationship. I was addicted. I was sick. But look at this. This thing no longer has power over me. This is not my life anymore. Look what Jesus did for me. And when you have that, your bed now, your mat becomes your testimony to people around you. And you can say, hey, if God did it for me, listen, he can do it for you, friends. So why don't you come and experience the love of Jesus with me this Sunday at church? Why don't we read the Bible together? Why don't we hang out? I can tell you a little bit more about what my life used to look like and what it looks like now your bed can turn into your blessing and as we have my friend Sadie come on up play some play some keys for me today the last thing that jumped off the page to me is we have seen extraordinary things today these people say after Jesus sends this guy home the crowd starts to kind of disperse you know after a concert what do you do right you kind of just like hanging out outside. You're like, wow, like that was mind blowing. That was so cool, right? What an awesome event. What an awesome concert. When he did this thing, oh, that was, that was awesome. You know, they played that note or, or the lights did this certain thing. That's exactly what they were doing with what Jesus had just done. They were just in awe of what he had done in that place. And there's some extraordinary things that happen every single day. Really, there, there are. How about Tom Brady winning the Super Bowl at like 80 million years old, okay? <laughs> In his first year with the Buccaneers, a brand new team he had never played with goes and wins the Super Bowl. That's pretty extraordinary. Would you agree? Do y'all remember the guy who skydived from space? That's pretty incredible. Okay, that's extraordinary. How about your kids doing all of their chores and homework over the weekend? That's extraordinary, somebody. Come on. That's an extraordinary feat for them to get that done. And last week, I think we all walked away from what we had seen last week and then at Easter the week before that. And I think we could have all walked away and said, wow, (laughs) we have seen some extraordinary things today. The stories, though, are even more extraordinary. That's what I love about it. Because, yeah, we had 202 people on Easter come in and experience the radical love of God. I mean, that's incredible. Over 200 people, six months old as a church, that's, that's extraordinary. And then the next week, so that broke our holiday record by a long shot, okay? And then the next week, last Sunday, had 170 people here for Baptism Sunday, destroyed our non-holiday record by like 40 or 50 people, just stupid, just incredible, destroyed it. That's extraordinary. We had 11 people baptized last Sunday. Come on, give it up. 11. Two babies dedicated, two people said yes to Jesus. Man, it was a great week. We all walked away thinking, we've seen some extraordinary things today. But of all the numbers that you could talk about, and it's, you know, we keep track of that stuff. And the reason why we keep track of it is because every number has a name. And every name is a person that matters to Jesus, right? But the stories or make it even more extraordinary. I know we were so excited and everybody stayed and stuck around and we were outside baptizing people. There's like a hundred people, at least 120 people that stayed and were able to watch the baptisms. We were just going nuts, like cheering. It's like, oh, this is amazing seeing what God is doing. But it's even better for me because I know the stories of these people that are getting baptized. So it was hard for me to not just be in tears, right? And I want to tell you about two of them really quick. One, her name is Casey, sitting right here with her husband, Quentin. And, uh, Casey, I, we had met them at the rail house, right? In February of 2020, right before COVID. It was our second interest per March, excuse me, of 2020, right before COVID hit. And, uh, 
I really, really, we just kind of clicked and got along and everything. But then when the church launched, I didn't see him. And I was like, oh man, I was like, I was really hoping that they were going to come and be a part of it and all that stuff. And, and so I didn't, I didn't see him and I just would keep track on Facebook every once in a while. And so I hadn't seen him in a while. And then I saw a post one day from Casey that I was tagged in. I was like, oh, okay, cool. And it was right after church. And so I clicked it and Casey basically said, you know, Hey, thank you so much, pastor Trevor for this sermon today. It's really changing my life, and I feel like God's doing something incredible in my life. She's posting this on her on her Facebook wall, and she's saying, I had been in guilt and shame over the things that had happened in my life for years, and I had never really like fully given myself over to God, and I had just been in this place that I was not in the greatest relationship with the Lord, and I finally feel like I found my identity, and I know who I am, right? You started to say all these kinds of things. She was watching online and was giving her heart back to Jesus, okay? And I'm reading this like, I had no idea y'all were watching, you know? This is amazing. It was extraordinary. And then they come to church uh, a, l- a little bit ago, maybe mm, two months ago, a month and a half ago, for the first time in person. And I was like, man, it's great to see you guys. And then they started getting involved. I had lunch with Quentin. And then Casey says, hey, you know what? I want to get baptized. I'm like, awesome. Let's do this. This is awesome. And so uh, I loved it because she was getting her T-shirt on over here and, and getting changed. And Quentin was in line. And he was kind of confusing Richard, our connections director, because he was like, you need a T-shirt? And he was like, no, 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 I'm good. I don't need a T-shirt. And so she goes in and gets changed. And then he comes out and says, hey, Richard, I need a T-shirt. I'm surprising her. Like, she doesn't know I'm going to get baptized with her. And so he gets his T-shirt on. And when she comes out, he's standing there with his made new T-shirt. And, you know, just like, we're going to get baptized together. Let's do this. And so we walked out there, and, and, and how far along are you right now, Casey? Four months. She's four months along right now with the beautiful baby. And so we sat there, and we prayed over that baby, and she got baptized with the newborn that she's about to have. Come on, they've got baptized together. That's extraordinary. Finding your identity and finding your worth again. I mean, that's extraordinary. That's a, that's a testimony right there. That's taking your bed, and it's being turned into your blessing now. You're going to be able to share that with people now. And that's incredible. Somebody watching online, getting touched by the Lord, and now they're in person, and now they're getting baptized, and now they're going to be just continuing walking in their faith. They're going to keep growing and keep growing. It's amazing. My man, Chris, I don't know if he's here today, but my man, Chris, it's uh, Lupita's brother. So, hey, what's up, man? What's up? He's over here in the corner. You're hiding from me, Chris. You're blending in over there. <laughs> but after we had baptized 10 people, and then Chris said, you know what, uh, Pastor Trevor, would you mind if I get baptized also? I was like, Chris, come on, man. Absolutely, I'll baptize you, right? And later I talked to him about it, and I was, you know, like, hey, what did that mean for you? Like, what did that mean? Because, you know, I knew he'd been in church. I knew he believed in God, right? You know, and so I was like, hey, what does this mean for you? He said, I've been baptized before, and, but, but I had kind of been in a dark place, and you know what? I just I'm rededicated my life to the Lord, and I'm really, and I said, you know what? This is the best thing that you could possibly do, right? Because you're leading your family now, and you're being an example for every single one of your family members of what it looks like to give your life to God, to, to take that next step in your faith, and now you're modeling that for your kids, man. And that's an incredible, incredible thing that you did, and I believe that God is going to continue uh, by his Holy Spirit to grow you, uh, to grow you in your marriage, to grow your kids, to grow your family, and it all starts with you taking that radical step of faith and say, you know what, man, I'm going to get baptized in my shirt, in my jeans. Let me just take off my shoes and get on in the water right now. And that's what I believe we need the tenacity to do is say, you know, listen, I don't care. It doesn't matter what you look like. It doesn't matter if you signed up beforehand and got a t-shirt on, just get in the water. You got to get the people there though, right? Come as you are. We'll get you to Jesus 
He'll touch your life and you're going to get in the water, get baptized, and man, it's going to be an amazing thing. And I just love hearing these stories of people that are dedicating their lives to God and he's just touching them in an amazing way. What would it look like if every single Sunday you walked in here and saw family members, coworkers, strangers saved by the power of Jesus? healed from sickness, set free of their old life where their beds are being turned into their blessings and now they're able to bring more people into the family of God, right? Do you have faith for them? Do we have a radical faith to believe that God can take the worst of sinners and turn them into a hell-stomping, God-fearing Jesus follower? Do we have that kind of radical faith today to believe that he can do it? I believe that the power of Jesus can do anything. Will we turn around to see who's behind that needs a miracle? Will we turn around to see who's looking to get in? Will we be the people that lower our friends and family or coworkers, whoever it is in your life, through the roof to get to the feet of Jesus? And will we see thousands of people saved by the power of Jesus? Yes, I do believe that we will through the ministry of Radical Church, through you being the church in our community and having a radical faith to just believe that God can do the big things. Amen. Will you stand with me today? As you're standing, I want to ask this one question. Will you commit to a radical, send them through the roof kind of a faith? For our community to commit to invite somebody to church, to be a bringer, to bring somebody, to send that text, to be that friend, to pray for a coworker, and to believe that God can and will touch their lives. Well, we have that kind of a faith. If you want to commit to that today, I would just encourage you right now, would you just raise your hand with me and say, hey, I want to have that faith, the radical faith, not a small faith, but a radical faith that's going to get God results, not small results. We're going to believe for the big things. Amen. That's what we're going to do. So what I want to do right now, thank you. Thank you for taking that, that, that pledge and taking that uh, commitment with me. What I want to do is I want you to think about somebody in your life that needs to hear about Jesus. Because I know that there's somebody in your life that you've already been thinking about, right? Because that's what I asked the Holy Spirit to do. <laughs> the Holy Spirit, this whole time, will you just put it on somebody's mind, put it, that person on somebody's heart. Every single person has somebody that needs a touch from God. And do not let your doubt and let what their life looks like right now stop you from believing that God can change them. Because that's the temptation, right? Man, there's no way that that person can be saved, right? I mean, they are like anti-Jesus, anti-church establishment. Like they are far from God. They don't believe in anything. They believe in like some weird, like crazy stuff. Okay, like there's no way that they're going to believe in Jesus. That's not radical faith. We need to flip our perspective. Start seeing people the way that Jesus is seeing them. So what I want to do is if you have somebody in your life that you can think of right now that needs Jesus... Think, put that person in your heart and your mind. We're going to pray for that person right now. And I'd love to encourage you, if you can, pray out loud, okay? You even got a mask on and a muffle a little bit, so you ain't going to be awkward, you know, standing next to somebody, be like, you know what I mean? Like, you don't even have to see your mouth moving, okay? But listen, just speak up, right? Have a radical faith to say out loud what it is that you want. Make your request made known to Jesus today. Don't pray a vague prayer. That's one of the messages we're going to be talking about in the next couple weeks. We're not going to pray vague prayers. We're going to pray specific prayers and ask Jesus for exactly what we want, okay? Let's pray together. Father God, right now, 
for each person that has somebody in their heart right now, in their mind, somebody that needs you in their life, God, a friend, a family member, a coworker, God, somebody that they came across at a Walmart or H-E-B, the guy that sold them their car. I don't care who it is, God, whoever is on their heart right now that they're thinking of and they're praying of right now. Father, would you touch that person? Would you give them an experience with you? Would you give them a dream? Would you give them a vision? Would you put somebody in their life that's going to lead them closer to you? And God, I believe right now that it is us that is going to lead them closer to you right now. God, would you give us the radical faith to pick that person up on the mat, wherever they are at right now, God, pick them up and have the tenacity to lower them through the roof, to cut a hole in the status quo, to risk looking silly, to send that text, to be that friend to them, that God, they're going to be sitting at your feet and there is no other way other than for them to be saved by your power, Jesus. God, would you help us to be a light in our community in the darkest of places, God, Help us to have a radical faith to believe for the big things, not just the small things, not the easy things, God. But we're going to believe that cancer is going to be healed in the name of Jesus. We are going to believe that all sickness will be healed in the name of Jesus. When we pray and when we ask, we're going to believe that, God, we're going to get that job that we believe that you have for us. We're going to believe that people are going to be saved, healed, delivered, and set free by your son, God, no matter how far away they are from you. No matter how hard it seems, God, because we know nothing is impossible for our God. And so we stand on that promise today. We declare right now for these people that we're thinking of, that we're praying for right now, that they will be saved. And God, would you use me and would you use each and every one of us to be the agent of change, to be a part of the solution, not standing back with the passive faith, but to have an active faith that says, I am not going to stand by and watch these people suffer. I'm not going to stand by and watch these people not have a relationship with Jesus, not know the hope and the life and the joy that we have in Christ. God, I'm going to share that with somebody. Help us to be those people and to be that church in our community. So God, we lift you up. We give you praise for what you're already doing right now. The same way that you're going before Eddie and Krista to Serbia right now, I believe you're going before each and every one of these people right now over the next few weeks as they they have an encounter, a supernatural encounter with this person. Maybe they'll just come up to them at work and say, hey, I just feel like that that I was supposed to talk to you about something and they just talk to you about God and, and you don't even have to do anything, right? It's just going to happen, Lord. We believe that you can set up those kinds of things. So Lord, would you do it? We believe that it is done in the name of Jesus. We declare that. We seal that right now. We thank you, Jesus, already for what you're going to do. In Jesus' name, everybody prayed. Amen. Will you give it up for Jesus today? He's doing great things. He's doing great things. The last thing I want to do is I want to invite anybody that's here in this place today. I always want to make sure I give the opportunity. If you feel like you're the person that's still on your bed, right? Like, I'm still in my bed. I'm not you know, in a relationship with Jesus and I feel him tugging on my heart and I need to give my life back to Jesus or, or I need to give it to him for the first time. You understand, listen, that, hey, Jesus came and died for you, right? He died for all of us. We're all sinners. We all fall short of the glory of God. But he sent his son Jesus to, to pay the price for all of that so that we could have a life that is everlasting, a life that is full of joy and abundance of hope, of peace, of love. Come on, if you have that hope, will you just give it up for Jesus right now? If you have that, come on. If there's anybody here that needs that today, I just want to ask, would you raise your hand on the count of three? I just want to see, and we're going to celebrate, we're going to lift you up, and we're going to help you take your next step in your faith. But is there anyone in here that needs to give their life to Jesus for the first time or that needs to rededicate their life to Jesus. I just want to encourage you in that. One, two, three. Is there anybody else in this place today that needs to do that? Come on. Come on. Okay. 
hey, what I believe then is that every single one of us has that hope and has that. And I love that. And if you're maybe considering it in your heart, I just pray that you come back next week and hang out with us again and experience the love of God again, like I know, because he's here right now. He's touching, he's touching your heart today. So pick up that mat and go home. Come on. Jesus, thank you for these wonderful people. We love you so much. We thank you for this church uh, that you're going to use us. We love you, love you, love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, you guys have a great rest of your day. Thank you for worshiping with us. We'll see you next week. See you then.